Welcome to Amnesty International's comedy podcast series. This year, Amnesty's had exclusive backstage access at two of the biggest events on the comedy calendar, the 2014 Edinburgh Festival Fringe and the Ballam Comedy Festival in London. We'll be bringing you a series of interviews with some of the greatest stand-up comedians working today, and along with finding out about the business of laughter, we'll be chatting about life, politics and human rights. Today we've been invited into the temporary Edinburgh home of ever-popular stand-up and now playwright Lucy Porter. She'll be chatting to us about her new play, how she loves the shock factor in comedy, and enlightening us on what it's like to perform stand-up to a room of babies. Lucy Porter, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Amnesty International at the Edinburgh Festival. How are you? Very well. It's a pleasure to have you, well, in my in my lovely palatial home, in my home that is much bigger than where I live normally in London. It is indeed palatial, hence the <laughs> echo. It's like a ball, this is the ballroom of my <laughs> Edinburgh home. And you've, uh, you've been busy yourself. You've also written a play for the festival um, to some very good reviews, yeah, I might thank add. You. I think you. Yes, I have. It's a play called The Fair Intellectual Club and it, it's on at 11 in the morning at the Assembly Rooms on George Street. And it's, yeah, it's all about a secret society of ladies who were called The Fair Intellectual Club who met in Edinburgh in 1717 and uh, wanted to study things that ladies weren't supposed to study like history and philosophy and arithmetic. And so they, yeah, they started meeting in secret and teaching each other things and then they got found out and exposed so it's the story of that it's a it's a tale of teenage friendship and love and betrayal and it's uh, also funny in parts. It is, yes. Mm. I, before I came up, people kept saying, is it a comedy? And I was like, let's just wait and see whether it is. But yes, it is. So uh, it's, it's kind of funny at the beginning and then it gets a little bit sad and then it gets a little bit funny again. How many times have you seen it, been waiting in the back? I have seen it quite a few times, actually. I went for about the first three days, because it's so, for me, never having done a play before, it's so exciting to see people doing your words. And I kind of, the director, the wonderful director, Marilyn Imry, who is brilliant, sort of, eventually she kind of sort of said, are you, are you going to come every day? And I was like, I probably shouldn't, should I? <laughs> I should probably leave it alone. Um, but I do really enjoy watching it, so I've seen it about five or six times now. And that's until the 24th of August. That is until the 24th of August, yes. So have you left it alone now? You're yeah, no, I, I'm not tweaking it anymore, <laughs> even though the temptation, of course... Because being a stand-up, you change your show every day. Um, you know, and you go, oh, that bit didn't work yesterday. I'll tell you what, I'll try it like this today. But, of course, when you've got actors and they've got to interact with each other and mm. it's a script, then you can't just wade in and go, listen, drop that bit, add this bit, do that. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm leaving it for now. And then if it has life after the festival, then um, I'll have another tinker with it then. And the show deals with issues around equality and feminism. What would you say are the biggest challenges women face today compared to the time of the play? Well, I think, I mean, there, there are some similarities and, uh, you know, we quite heavy-handedly make the point in the play that, uh, you know, still women aren't encouraged to aspire to education and erudition as much as men are but um but I mean you know definitely our lot has improved um and I you know I think that we now have more of a sense of the challenges faced by our sisters around the globe um you know and as sort of western feminists I think we kind of appreciate that we have we've come a long way we still have a long way to go and that there are other women who who need even more help than we do. 
And of course, you've got your own feminist podcast as well, haven't you? I have. Me and Sarah Kendall have our podcast, Girl Right, in which we discuss... Uh, well, I mean, we call it a feminist podcast. It's basically because largely what we talk about are things that we think relate to feminism in the place of women in the world. So it, we cover a lot of different things, and sometimes we get drunk. <laughs> Well, it's very good. I recommend it. Um, and that's when, when are you doing the next one of those? I don't, well, I think we were planning to try and do one up here in Edinburgh because Sarah Kendall is here doing an amazing show, um, which you must go and see. Uh, but uh, to be honest, we're quite busy. We've both got our children up here and, uh, and both our husbands have shows, which of course must take precedence over our silly little endeavours. So uh, mm. we're, we're standing by our men. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Please be aware, I'm joking. But so, yeah, no, we're all quite busy. So probably September. Um, we touched on it a minute ago, but which do you prefer, stand-up or writing plays? Um, well, at the moment, writing plays because it's new, but uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to leave stand-up alone. And it's been really nice, actually, this year, having two different shows and doing two different things. Um, and working with other people is lovely because stand-up is quite a lonely business. So... Uh, sort of that's I think why I've been going to the place often as well because I just quite like the company (laughs) just let me hang out for a while guys because you know when you do a stand-up show you sit backstage on your own for 20 minutes while the audience come in and then you just go and do it and then slink off so uh, so yeah they're both good in different ways Mm. I like I like the the sense of control and power of stand-up but then the camaraderie of drama is nice so you've got a thirst for writing more plays. I have got already my idea for my next play, which is, it's sort of similar but different. It's about another secret society of women, but a very different one in a very different era. I read that you're also responsible for creating Screaming With Laughter, a oh, comedy yeah. club for parents and infants. How did this come about? <laughs> this was when I had my own children and they were small. I went to lots of film screenings because it's quite a thing that they do now for children under one. You can take them to the cinema and I loved that so much that I thought, why don't we do a comedy club? Because comedy, we're used to heckling, we're used to people moving around and being a bit disruptive. And uh, yes, it's, it's sort of, it's really good fun. We have just comedians from the circuit doing their normal shows and then people bring their babies and it's in the afternoon. So it legitimises daytime drinking for new parents, which I'm <laughs> fully in favour of. And uh, and it's and for the comedians, it's not that much harder than doing a rowdy, stag and hen-filled comedy club because, <laughs> you know, we're used to people vomiting and, and <laughs> emitting other bodily substances and uh, they're normally drunk rather than cute. What are the age limits? Because I've got visions of someone like Frankie Boyle turning up and giving kids nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to be under one because you don't really form any memories until you're two, apparently. So that's kind of, we're going, well, let's play it safe. And uh, Because, yes, if we're going to be obscene and, uh, and graphic, then it's best to do it to the younger children. What do you do if there's just a whole room full of screaming... Oh, well, they do. Yeah. I mean, they all kick off together. It's but they like they're all quiet at the same time, and then one of them starts, and then they all go. So uh, it's a challenge. I always like it when it's comedians who don't have kids of their own who do it because they freak out completely. <laughs> We've seen a lack of women on the comedy lineups at festivals this year, and of course, lots of TV shows, uh, TV panel shows, have been criticised for the same thing. And um, why do you think that is? It's difficult for me to say because I am not that bothered about doing either panel shows or festivals um, and I have turned quite a lot of them down uh, but but there are lots of women who are very willing to do them and I think, yeah, it's just there's a degree of laziness I think in terms of pe- people always get the same people back to do stuff time and time again rather than branching out and trying new people so I think, 
Yeah, people need to go out and see. I mean, there's such a phenomenal amount of female comedians now that there's really no excuse for not having at least one or two mm. in every programme or festival that you do. Um, and they're all up here in Edinburgh, so people should be looking out for them here. I was going to say, there are hundreds of them, so it's quite strange it doesn't translate. I know, well, we went it. out for a female comedian's brunch the other day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we took up an entire top floor of a restaurant, so <laughs> it was, there's certainly plenty of us about. I mean, thank <laughs> God no one was trying to book us that day because we, we were all busy having brunch. But, uh, but, yeah, it's, I don't know, I think it just takes time, doesn't it? It takes time to filter through, and things are getting better. So you don't think it's uh, sort of a male, still a male-dominated TV industry that's... Um, I think there are... I mean, the thing is, over re in recent years, sort of comedy on television has been dominated by a few sort of big agencies and producers who have been male and have maybe not felt as comfortable with booking women or, or relating to women. But I think that that is changing as well now and that there are a lot more female producers who are hmm. kind of keen to, to get other women on board. And male producers who are keen to get other women on board, and also male producers mm. who are keen to get other kinds of comedians on board as well. So it's not, it's not all about women, but it is mm. largely about women. And a few female comedians we've spoken to have talked about how they have considered quite carefully what they wear on stage to make sure they're not judged by their outward appearance too much, <laughs> or that it doesn't distract from what they are uh, saying. Yes. Um, is this something you have to consciously think the about? The beauty of being older <laughs> is that you don't have to... Uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I genuinely don't anymore because I just, I rock up in whatever I'm wearing, which is normally just jeans and a top. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, all comedians, I think, consider their appearance quite a lot. And I suppose, yeah, I suppose as a woman, you have an added thing of, you don't want to, you know, I don't know, I suppose, yeah, I mean, I used to think, oh, yeah, you don't want to look like you're trying too hard to be sexy. You don't want to look like you're trying too hard to be this or that. But I think really the only thing that matters is wear what you're comfortable in and don't give a damn what anyone else thinks, which, of course, is good advice for life, isn't it? Mm. You know, just, it's, you know, what you wear shouldn't be important, so act like it isn't, and then, you know, you will have the confidence that you need on stage. Yeah, I think I heard in one of your um, podcasts with Sarah, actually, that you feel it's important not to lose your femininity in, in you know, striving for equality. Um, well, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know how you... Whatever femininity is, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I suppose I have always thought in the sort of con in the social constructs of masculinity and femininity, there are lots of good uh, things to aspire to. So yes, pick a grab bag of both of both genders' best supposed qualities. I think mm. yeah. Yes, I'm proud of. I'm proud to be a woman. Certainly. At first, I thought right, I'm not going to be a woman I'm going to be I'm going to do comedy like men do comedy and then I kind of quickly realized well why would you want to do that you just want to be yourself whatever that is do you think there are too many comedians that perhaps rely on the sort of shock and offense style of comedy too much <laughs> shall we say I don't think so uh no well I I hardly ever see any comedy these days so I am doing a very tame polite lunchtime show um and I'm sure there are people doing wonderful, radical, challenging things late at night. But no, I mean, I think yeah, I love shocking comedy. To me, I mean, you know, Frankie Boyle is always held up as the example of a shocking comedian. He's one of my favourite comedians because I think he's got a brilliant brain and a really good heart and uh, says some, you know, incredibly important things. So, so I think more, more shock, please. I can't do it <laughs> myself, but I love it when people do. 
And looking back over your career, mm. are there any stories <laughs> or jokes that you'd wish you hadn't told? Oh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. You know, I look back at early things I did and I think I was so keen not to be judged as a woman that I was actually quite unpleasant about other women and I sort of thought, oh, that, you know... I, I think I was trying to be a bit shocking or controversial or something and uh, and just didn't quite pull it off. I think I missed the mark. So, yeah, I... But, you know, that's that's life, isn't it? You learn and you grow and you change and, um, and you look back at yourself in previous times and think, what an appalling dick. <laughs> I think... I mean, you know, if... Some people maybe aren't like that, but, uh, but yeah, me and all my closest friends, we are like that. <laughs> your husband gets mentioned quite a bit in your show. He does. Show. He does. does. He ever... He never comes to see my stand-up, as you will probably understand. So, uh, yes, it's all affectionate, though. I don't think people come away from it thinking that I genuinely hate him. Mm. <laughs> so think, you, can get, you can get away with quite a lot and not but, regret it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably will regret it. I'm sure I will look back in years to come when, when he leaves me for a comedian who doesn't <laughs> slag him off. And, uh... and so, finally, last amnesty question. Mm. The Conservatives have said that they may scrap the Human Rights Act after the next election. Mm -hmm. uh, what do human rights mean to you? <laughs> um, yeah, my main worry is that there is a kind of a pervasive heartlessness and harshness that seems to be emerging, that people are like, well, I don't see why I should worry about anyone else's human rights. Why do we need to care about anybody else's uh, rights and privileges? And, um, you know, uh, that's kind of what... I feel this is about it's about uh, allowing people to say I don't really care that much about other people and uh, uh, you know as long as I'm all right then you know I want crime to be uh, high on the agenda or you know I'm worried about immigration and I think that they're pushing all these buttons to kind of make people feel afraid um, and actually what we should be afraid of is the erosion of the basic human rights that will protect us all. So finally mm -hmm. um, what's next? For Lucy Porter. What's next for me personally is I will be going back to my inferior flat in London <laughs> that isn't as nice as the place I'm staying in Edinburgh and looking at my life choices and wondering why. Um, and I'm having a bit of a break, so I'm going to be off the scene uh, until Christmas and then I'll be back on tour next year. Sounds lovely though, because you have been busy. I have been quite busy, but I'm also going to write this new play that I'm very excited about, so, uh, so that will be my... In the wee small hours of the night, I shall be sitting up, burning my candle at both ends and uh, writing this play. And I wanted to ask you, will we ever see you directing a play starring your husband and Thick of It star, Justin <laughs> Edwards? We are so close to killing each other quite often that um, I think, yeah, that would definitely be the worst thing we could possibly do for our relationship. So, uh, no, I think our marital tensions... If someone else could write a play about our marriage... <laughs> then uh, I'd, I'd be intrigued to see it. But yes, I certainly won't be... Uh, we, we, no, we, do, we get on very well, but I think, yes, let's not, let's not be the Richard and Judy of comedy, I think. <laughs> Have you actually got to see each other much? Because you've both got a show No, it's Edinburgh. delightful what we've got, because he's doing a play in the afternoon. Uh, I called Rasputin, 3.30. It's uh, very good. I can Hall. recommend you know, it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm plugging his work. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so basically I have been out in the mornings working and then he's had the kids and then we've been swapping over at lunchtime and then he goes off and works and I have the kids for the afternoon and then we collapse in the evening <laughs> and drink wine. <laughs> so it's been nice. It's been a, a fairly nice way of spending time. So ships that kind of pass in the mid-afternoon. Ships drunk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> ships that pass drunk at about eight o'clock and then go to bed by nine. <laughs>
Well, it sounds like a very good life and an enjoyable yes, time in Edinburgh. It has been lovely. And thank you very much for coming round. Oh, thank you very Such much for having us. You. And uh, I hope the play goes well. And I thank hope you, you enjoy your time off. Thank you, thank you. If you're interested in learning more about human rights or joining Amnesty International, then please go to our website, amnesty.org.uk. And make sure you don't miss our next episode. Here's a sneak peek. I've knocked on the head for the time being the satire, the raging, ranting and uh, spitting tax at the world in favour of telling stupid stories about myself. And uh, while I've done that, uh, we've seen the soft rise of fascism across Europe. <laughs> UKIP and Le Front National have risen to power. So it just goes to show, you know, uh, how much work I was doing to keep that at bay. <laughs>